Welcome to the Why It Works podcast. I'm Joe Kwan, your host. Together, we'll pull back the curtain to reveal the hidden principles behind why things work. Things work for a reason. Let's find out why. I'm so excited to share I just released my online course. The Easy Peasy Public Speaking Makeover Series will not only help you overcome your fear, but will help you shine. The first module, Overcoming Your Fear of Public Speaking, is always free. If you are willing to improve in this area, just click on the link in the show notes or go to www.connectioncounselor.com. Here with us today is Rob Howes, an empowerment artist with a passion for helping people unleash their highest potential. Rob's mission is to create billions of healthy, wealthy human beings by empowering people with the knowledge and tools that lead them to living healthier, more prosperous lives. We speak to Rob from his home in Maryland. Welcome, Rob, to the Why It Works podcast, and thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. This is such a pleasure. So it was great to get to know you a little bit and hear about the work you were doing and helping others. When did you realize this is what you wanted to do? Ooh, I probably realized it at an early age, like um, before I knew what to do with it because of maturity purposes. But in my teenage years, I realized that I had a compassion for people. I knew that at least. I knew I liked seeing people happy and I knew how to do some of that. So that thus that, begun the habits. Excellent. Well, let's get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Tell us what you do, but break it down as if you were explaining it to a five-year-old. I inspire people through inspirational music and videos. I empower people to live healthier, more prosperous lives. And so through music, videos, edutainment, which is education and entertainment integrated, that's how people learn. And so this is how I touch people with my message. So it sounds like there's definitely... um the format or, or the way people take in that information is, is, is a big part of how you connect with people. That's it. That's it. I mean, and that's everything because a person can be right in front of you, but their attention is distracted, then they won't be comprehending what you're saying. And therefore the, 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 the sustainability of it is dead. But, but if they're engaged then something happens in their brain, and when they're engaged and then there's certain chemicals in the brain that are released that help the engagement, it actually helps with them remembering it because it gives them a signal that says, guess what? That was some good stuff. Uh, that was something going on there. But only if they're engaged, you know, you know, you, you put a song on and you listen to the song and you can remember where you first heard that song. Like, how mm-hmm. do we do that? How does a song, because it triggers. And at the time you heard that song, it released such intensity inside of you, your body, your mindset. Remember this thing. We, that's the same with learning. So if you use that same style of learning, look how fast we can accelerate our understanding. Yeah, what I love about what you're saying, Rob, is I think we all intuitively understand that and, mm-hmm. and agree with it. But all of us have been through learning scenarios, whether it's formal education or you know trainings that you go to where whoever's in charge of delivering the message doesn't seem to get that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, uh, you know what the reason for that is? Most people aren't engaged with each other. 
Mm-hmm. Like most people are on their own agenda. Like they go to work because they have to do a job. They have to do a thing. They're not there for the other people. That stuff only works if you're there for the people because then you can actually have relationships that cultivate and you can grow. Absolutely. I'm so happy you're here today to talk about the topic of fulfillment. And let me tell you why. What I've noticed over the years is, and, and I think we're all guilty of this to varying degrees, we often think of fulfillment as coming from external things, right? Mm -hmm. If I only get this job, if I only get this mate, if I only achieve this promotion or salary or whatever it is, I I will be happy. And I think what people also intuitively understand, you know, even if they won't admit it or act on it is that never really works. You know, you, you get a temporary high, but you don't get what I would call true fulfillment yeah. from achieving external things. There's something more internal about it. And I'm really excited to explore this today. Mm-hmm. How did you get started exploring the topic of fulfillment yourself? Well, I've been exploring it my entire life just because of the work that I've been doing in the various sectors. But over the last 12 to 18 months, repairing and rebuilding, not, not, not repairing, rebuilding my marriage, I had to learn about true fulfillment, meaning that my relationship was the most important thing to me. And for some reason, it was not the way I expected it to be. My, and what I thought my wife was expecting and what she was expecting from me, our expectations were all mixed up. Mm. And so what I had to do was I had to learn how to really be present when I'm present with her and begin to understand her. And what does that look like? So I started studying, okay, what does that, how do you get to that point? We know that sounds good, but how do you get there? So then I came up with this thought of, um, we call it the fulfillment formula is what I finally called it, but it was three ingredients in the formula and it was self-reflection, course correction, and humility. And I said, if you do these three things together daily, you're going to be, ultimately you're going to be fulfilled in whatever area you want, relationships, financially, business, doesn't matter. Self-reflection, course correction, and humility. And so in in our relationships specifically, I began to self-reflect every day on how I was showing up in the the marriage and how she perceived me as showing up. We would sit down and talk. So therefore, I can make adjustments and there comes the course correction. So now the flowers and cards don't mean much to me at all. But apparently to her, it means everything. (laughs) By me giving a card and flowers to her, it does something. Then all of a sudden something triggers her. Now she's doing things for me I didn't expect. Next thing you know, you have total fulfillment. And so it doesn't work light speed, but it works light speed. Literally, you change on a dime how you're feeling. Obviously, relationships and things need to cultivate over time. But that feeling is activated. Self-reflection, course correction, and humility. The reason humility has to be the driver because you can self-reflect, but if you're not humble, you're going to see what you want to see anyway. If you're humble, yeah. you'll be able to see the real picture. And humility leads to empathy. Empathy leads to real, true relationships. Well, there's um, so much to unpack in there and so much that I like about what you're saying that uh, resonates with me uh, and my own beliefs and experiences. Um, specifically, uh, I really love the part about the course correction, how you've been getting more feedback. Uh, from your wife. I've been trying something out um, recently with my son where 
Uh, it's based on uh, Jack Canfield, an exercise that he has. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where I ask my son, you know, what's our what's our relationship on a scale of one to ten? And if he says anything less than a ten, my follow up question is, how could it be a ten? Right. You know? That's good, and, man. I like that. <laughs> I like that. And I you know, it today. today I'm using that today. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, it's it's not me. It's Jack Canfield. Um, and 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 the great thing about that is, you know, it's it's not that you're ever always going to be at a 10 all the time, but it's more like what happens to a lot of people is you're at a one for like years and years and years, years but you years. didn't ask the question ask or maybe they were telling you and you weren't humble. Like you were saying, uh, so you didn't hear when they were telling it to you. Right. So you never course correct. And, and years later you find out you're a one. You thought you were like a nine or a 10 for like whole time walking, big shoulders. Got it. Got it. <laughs> like, uh-uh. No, you don't got it. Lights are out. They're gone. Dear John, that's how it happens, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right great well let's uh let's kick it off with our first video um this is from a animated film which uh my family's a big fan of so what i believe you were trying to say is thank you thank you you're welcome what? no 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 i i didn't i wasn't why would i ever <laughs> okay, say okay. I, mean... <laughs> I see what's happening yeah you're face to face with greatness and it's strange You don't even know how you feel It's adorable Well, it's nice to see that humans never change Open your eyes, let's begin Yes, it's really me, it's Maui, breathe it in I know it's a lot, the hair, the bod When you're staring at a demigod What can I say except you're welcome for the tides, the sun, the sky. Hey, it's okay, it's okay, you're welcome. I'm just an ordinary demi-guy. Hey, what has two thumbs and pulled up the sky? When you were waddling, yay, hide this guy. When the nights got cold, who stole you fire from down below? You're <laughs> looking at him, yo. Oh, also I lasso the sun. Welcome to stretch your days and bring you fun. Also, I harness the breeze. You're welcome to fill your sails and shake your trees. So what can I say except you're welcome for the islands I pulled from the sea. There's no need to pray, it's okay. You're welcome. Ha. I guess it's just my way of being me. So, Rob, what, what do you think of this? What's going on here? <laughs> you know, some people, man, I just did a video the other day about motives, you know, and like two people going out to give out turkeys to the homeless. One's giving out turkeys to the homeless because he cares about the homeless, but the other one's giving out turkeys to the homeless so people can see him giving out turkeys to the homeless. <laughs> and like two people giving out turkeys with different motives. I mean, a lot of people are walking around here asking, looking for you. To say you're welcome all the time. I think it's always, they want people to thank them for everything. And sometimes they try to claim things they haven't even really done, but they're so caught up in themselves. Maybe a little humility might, a little dose of that uh, fulfillment formula might be a, a drop for them. <laughs> what, what, what do you think kind of uh, the difference is, right? Because, you know, I, I like to assume positive intent. And, you know, why do you think some people, two people, like to use your example, the turkey example, doing both a good deed, why are they approaching it from such different places? How, how do you think that that can, can come about? Well, you know, that's a historical 
get to go through the log, the precognitive learning cycle, all the way from the beginning of time. You know, the environments were a product of it. So, but at the same time, everyone is responsible for themselves. Because I've been through a lot, and two people come from the same place, go different directions. It's still about choices. But I really believe it, it, it comes from insecurity. I mean, insecurity will make you do things to get attention because you need it. And so you do the thing to get attention for, in whatever way that is. And so how does a person become secure with themselves? That's the next question. You know, well, start by looking in the mirror and saying, I love you. And say, that's corny. That's so corny. Do it. You know, because that's the reason why you're doing certain things, because you really don't have that love inside of yourself. And it could be some slightly different dynamics out of each situation. But I honestly believe when people are craving attention, when they're doing things to get the attention and approval of others, there's something missing somewhere. Well, what resonates with me about what you're saying, Rob, is, you know, for the person who loves themselves and does the deed to do the deed they still love themselves regardless, right? So doing the deed just kind of reaffirms their love for themselves. It doesn't help them in any way. It really, the focus is on others. Whereas a person who's doing the deed to fill some sort of lack of love for themselves, there's no amount of deeds that they're going to be able to do to fill yeah. that well. It's always going to be empty, right? And they're yeah. constantly yeah. going to be having to do more, 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 but it it just drains out every time because they don't love themselves. It's like a, it's like an empty, it's like a cup with a hole in the bottom, right? Yep. 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 Keep pouring, keep pouring. The person that gives because they want to give, that's the one who gets. So the one who gives because they just want to give because they want to see other people get, those are the ones who actually get the most. It's a very interesting cycle, but the ones you think about it, the greater impact you create, the greater income you create. You know, the, the amount of money that you make it comes from the, the large, the size of the problems that you solve most of the time. You know, so it's like, so just think about that. If you want to really feel love, give love. Yeah. You know, a, a colleague of mine um, was talking about this, uh, not just limited to the love aspect, but just like in general, generosity. Um, and they came up, well, they were explaining the concept of when you give kind of like this generalized generosity, right? Like you're not looking for anything specific back. It's, it's not a particular transaction, right. you know, then wonderful things start to happen. Things that you didn't even expect or want to happen, but you're mm -hmm. constantly coming from a place of that. You're just going to give because that's who you are. That's what you want to do. Not because you want to get something back from right. someone else. And, and that, like you're saying like that, is like a virtuous cycle. Like you get rewarded by that, even though you're not looking for the reward. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it, man. Well, let's take a look at this next clip. Um, for those of us at a certain age, it's uh, sort of a seminal coming of age type movie. I know it's kind of a weird time, but I was just wondering um, what is going to happen to us on Monday? We're all together again. I mean, I consider you guys my friends. I'm not wrong, am I? No. So, so on Monday, what happens? Are we still friends, you mean? We're friends now, that is? Yeah. You want the truth? Yeah, I want the truth. I don't think so. 
With all of us or just John? With all of you. That's a real nice attitude, Claire. Oh, be honest, Andy. If Brian came walking up to you in the hall on Monday, what would you do? I mean, picture this. You're there with all the sports. I know exactly what you'd do. You'd say hi to him, and when he left, you'd cut him all up so your friends wouldn't think that you really liked him. No way. Okay. What if I came up to you? The same exact thing. You are a Why? Because I'm telling the truth? That makes me a No. Because you know how that is to do to someone. And you don't got the balls to stand up to your friends and tell them that you're going to like who you want to like. Okay, what about you, you hypocrite? Why don't you take Allison to one of your heavy metal vomit parties? Or take Brian out to the parking lot at lunch and get higher? What about Andy, for that matter? What about me? What would your friends say if we were walking down the hall together? They'd laugh their asses off, and you'd probably tell them that you were doing it with me so they'd forgive you for being seen with me. Don't you ever talk about my friends. You don't know any of my friends, you don't look at any of my friends, and you certainly wouldn't condescend to speak to any of my friends. So you just strip to the things that you know. Shopping, nail polish, your father's BMW, and your poor, rich, drunk mother in the Caribbean. Shut up! And as far as being concerned about what's going to happen when you and I walk down the hallways of school, you can forget it, because it's never going to happen. Just bury your head in the sand and wait for your prom. I hate you. Yeah? Good. Okay, then I assume Alice and I are better people than you guys, huh? Us weirdos. Do Would you do that to me? I don't have any friends. Well, if you did. No. I don't think the kind of friends I'd have would mind. I just want to tell each of you that I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't and I will not. So what's your reaction, Rob? That's deep, dude. It's weird. I was just doing a podcast the other day, and I had to talk about the different groups that I grew up in. I grew up in the hood, uh-huh. and I grew up in the suburbs. Like, okay. Clearly, I was shot in the hood, and in the suburbs, all white. I'm only black. I mean, <laughs> jocks, hip-hop dudes, chess club, musicians, whites, blacks. I'm talking about poor, rich. I was in all the groups. What I noticed is that all those groups, all of them, none of them could mix in other groups. It was fascinating to me. It was like, it's very interesting. What's, like, I'm just floating around because it's just me, but I noticed, no, certain people won't talk with certain people. They just can't. And it's interesting as what we do in society is we begin to start segmenting ourselves. And then we segment ourselves so much that we actually um, segregate ourselves. We do it. Mm-hmm. And so now we have this internal segregation that's happening and it makes it uncomfortable to be around other humans just because of the different. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I've experienced that uh, a bit myself too. Like when you're in school, which tends to be, uh, can be a pretty diverse sort of set of people, at least it was for me, you still see a lot of, like you were saying, that self segregation you know you have the black students hanging out with the black students the asians hanging with the asians the white students and you know there's a little bit of mixing around at the fringes right but i really wouldn't call it sort of an assimilated diverse kind of society it's just people are 
I don't know if it's a comfort thing or yeah. something that our brains do where we identify very strongly with a certain sort of uh, yeah. vibe based on external characteristics or something. And, but. and it's normal. And it, it, it is normal. Um, you know, but there, there are some pitfalls with it because once you get too segmented and you get in one way of thinking, you got to be able to open, broaden your perspective. But yeah, we tend to gravitate towards, you know, where we feel comfortable, you know, it's, and everybody's not for everybody. So there has to be some level of that. But of course, you know, we like to, you know, take it to the extreme as, as we do everything, humans, that is. <laughs> well, you know, one of the funny things I've noticed is, um, you know, whenever I've made the effort, let's say, to overcome my initial sort of self-segregation, right? To, to, to get to know someone who on their face, I would think, oh, I don't have much in common with this guy or this gal, right? Mm-hmm. Once I really make an effort and, and they're meeting me halfway and, and we're connecting, it's amazing at like how similar you are, how many similarities on a very human level and, you know, how connected you can be. But you kind of have to do the extra work, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas people who are more like you, it just seems like the path is a lot easier, right? Because you already share a lot of things. That's in a common. great way of breaking it down. That's a great way of breaking it down. Yeah. So tell me, in, in, in the work that you've done, how can people overcome that? Like, how can people sort of start to make that connection better, especially when it's something that's that's good for them, that's really going to help them or maybe something that they need to do as part of their being effective at their job or, you know, say in their family. So, you know, the way people break these phobias, there's institutions and they have programs and curriculums. And one of the greatest ways they do it is if you're, you know, scared of um, airplanes, then they put you on a plane. (laughs) Scared of bridges, they take you on a bridge. You know, and so for people trying to broaden their perspective, they have to deliberately put themselves in situations that make them uncomfortable. You know, do things like, for example, maybe go out in, in the street and with your video camera and film yourself doing a, a video with everybody passing by, get uncomfortable. You know, maybe it's a certain group of people that you typically don't hang out with at work or wherever your social setting is, but you go to this group and you just go. Maybe you listen, maybe you talk, but you go. You do something different. The way the brain is, the brain is the interesting thing, man. You know, if you do the same thing over and over again, that's just what we do. You know, 60, 70,000 thoughts a day, 90% of the same thoughts, and you don't even know they're happening. You don't know they're happening. They're just happening. So we, we're on repeat, but, and that's the subconscious, but consciously, if we make a decision, a different choice, ah, and then we deliberately make that choice consistently, that then becomes a new type of habit, which then opens different regions of the mind, broadens your perspective. It's a very interesting thing. You activate it just by doing different things. Well, what I like about what you're saying here, Rob, is this feeling that when you do it, it actually just expands your horizons and, and, and it works, right? So like that limit we had was kind of in our mind, right? It's mm-hmm. like we had a limit. We didn't bother to make a conscious decision like you were saying to do something. But I get the feeling and I'm, you know, maybe this is your experience too. When you actually get out of your comfort zone and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to stand up and do this thing I've never done before, talk mm-hmm. to this person or try to get into this you know, organization or something. When you actually do it, 
uh, you know, more often than not, you kind of break through and you, you, you've expanded your horizons now. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's it. So interesting. One, one tiny little smidget of a move, just a slight change, tiny, tiny changes, these tiny ones. If we commit to just doing tiny, taking tiny actions, if you want to lose weight, don't think about losing 50 pounds in a, in a month. Just think about taking your lunch to work every day. One thing, take the lunch to work every day. Now you got one healthy meal that you are now putting to your schedule, which is then going to open the door for another step. Now let's incorporate going to the gym maybe twice a week. You know, it's like it's a gradual process and you'll be inspired and motivated to do that because you've already taken that one step. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I, I, you know, as you were saying that, I picture kind of like a, like an old school salesman, like literally like sticking their foot in the door, yeah. you know, so you yeah. can't close the door. They just yeah. need, you know, just a yeah. little bit of daylight. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're buying a set of encyclopedias yeah. or, or a vacuum cleaner <laughs> or something. But if the, if the door is closed, I mean, yeah. that, that's it. They're done. As soon as the door is closed, the homeowner walks away and, and there's okay. no sale. No sale. That's good, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's take a look at our next clip, which um, shows what can happen, uh, the different choices when uh, you feel like you're encountering the same thing over and over and over again. Mm. When Chekhov saw the long winter, he saw a winter bleak and dark and bereft of hope. Yet we know that winter is just another step in the cycle of life. But standing here among the people of Punxsutawney and basking in the warmth of their hearths and hearts. I couldn't imagine a better fate than a long and lustrous winter. From Punxsutawney, it's Phil Connors. So long. Nice speech, Phil. Very nice. Thank you. Thanks. How was that for you, too? Hey, man. You touched me. Thanks, Larry. Thank you. I gotta go. Okay? Phil, mm. that was surprising. I didn't know you were so versatile. I surprise myself sometimes. Well, where are you going? Would you like to get a cup of coffee? I'd love to. Can I have a rain check? I've got some errands I've got to run. Okay. Well, Phil, errand, errands. What errands? I thought we were going back. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? You little brat. You have never thanked me. I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe. Oh. Oh. You've told it. It's nothing, ma'am. I had the tire and the jack. Just be comfortable, all right? Give a minute. Who's that? Like from the motor club. So, Rob, what can we learn from this? Yeah, <laughs> man, I, that that guy—he's he, so he's in his own world, apparently. Okay, <laughs> this is the—I really wonder what you extract from that. 
<laughs> well, I think it's just interesting how um, it's science fiction, obviously, but he, he, he had the chance to relive his life over and over again. And, and at some point he realized, hey, I can make good choices here and, and really do great things and saw it as an opportunity instead of initially it was like torture, mm. right? Because he mm-hmm. was just repeating the same thing, you know, over right. and over again. And based on how he acted, it really made a big impact on people's lives. So he could just mm. walk by those poor ladies who got a flat tire or he could, you know, really make them happy and sort of help them out and do like a neighborly thing by fixing their tire. That's good. That's good. The power of giving, man. Power of giving. I met a, I met a wonderful person, a uh, lady on LinkedIn. Her name was Jacqueline Way. She has this 365, 365 give is what it's called. Okay. Basically doing one give a day. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Just people all over the world just giving, just committing to giving. It got me thinking about that. You know, it's like when you, when you do something for somebody for, for no reason, like something happens. Like my wife was at, who was she at? Get, uh, t- took my daughter, Melody, to go get her hair done. And, um, and she was going to go pay and she got to the counter and lady was like, yeah, gentleman paid for you. Whoa. My wife, you know, she's crying. She's, you know, she's like, well, I'm just, you know, just touched by that. And apparently this guy does that like once a month, um, a couple of times a month or what have you. But the point is like that little thing, that thing that he did yeah. touched her so much, didn't touch me. Now I'm telling you and it touched you. Look at the power of a gift, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not about a lot of money. It's about the intention. It's about mm-hmm. the, the spirit with which you give it. I mean, uh, it could be as simple as paying someone's uh, meter before it, uh, it runs out. It's a quarter, but you've really positively impacted someone's life. Yeah, that's it. That's it, man. I just and I just did the theme song for for this movement. 365 Give. And the, the official day is April 17th is the official give day. OK. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really phenomenal, man. It's phenomenal. You ever seen a movie, um, Pay It Forward? Pay It Forward? Um, I think I have. I'm not sure. <laughs> so basically in the movie, everyone, for that one day, everyone had to do something for somebody else. Oh, okay. And so just imagine the ripple effect of like that. And I was like, wow, that's, I said, that's that, but every day. I was like, wow. <laughs> 365give.ca is the, is the website. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I think there's something very powerful about when you give, it makes you aware of how much you have, right? Mm-hmm. That, that you have something to give That's versus good, if you're constantly trying to take, it's like, yeah, it's that whole abundance versus scarcity model, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, do, in, in business or in life, you know, do you operate out of there's enough to go around, let's all help each other, all ships rise together uh, versus there's only so much pie to be had. I want to get the biggest slice I can get. Yeah, yeah. Man, I love that, man. I love <laughs> that. that. That is the two sides of the street. Absolutely. Which side are you on? <laughs> you know? Some people are in the middle, man. You know, it's a struggle sometimes. But, you know, <laughs> through daily practice, self-reflection, of course, correction, humility, you'll wind up on the right side. Talk to us a little bit more about humility and how that can play into giving and, and how you interact with people. Because I think there's, there's something very powerful there. I, I love that you include humility, um, you know, in your formula. You know, 
I learned how to be become more humble by activating my silence, listening. That helped me tremendously because what I what I noticed is that when you talk, you're not listening. You know, that's it. The end. The end. But when you don't talk and deliberately, intentionally try to listen, then you can engage. And so for me, being humble was learning how to put other people first all the time. If I, if I put other people first all the time, and I don't mean on the airplane when the airplane's going, you know, you got the mask on you first, okay? But in life, put people first. And that's the beginning of humility because by putting them first, their, their, their thoughts, their, their worries, their concerns, their ideas. We're not saying put you on the back burner, but put people first so that you, therefore you can understand them. And by you understanding them, they'll receive that. And the same as my wife and I, when she received that, then she delivered something to me. And that's how it began. You know, Rob, I'm going to make a, a, a judgment of you here, so I, I hope you will forgive me if it's wrong. But you, 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 you strike me as the kind of person who's good at talking, right? You know, you're, you're, you're good at talking. You have the gift of gab. And in a way, I think that can get people into trouble, right? They're, they're yeah. so good at like convincing people and talking their way out of situations that, yeah. you know, the, the, the need to listen almost never crosses your mind because you're so effective on the talking side. Yeah. Oh my goodness. 100%. Bullseye, like bullseye, bingo, bam, right there in the middle, man. You know, and you're right. And honestly, that's, it, you know, it's a gift and it's a, and I'm not going to call it a curse, but it's something that, you know, can be of a hindrance if it, you know, the gift is good, but you know, everything can be abused. Yes. You know, too much water will kill you. Yep. So yeah, you're right. You know, and that's, that activated for me. That activated it for me in everything. The relationship with my wife, the relationship with my son, because when he turned 13, he became somebody else. I didn't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what happened. And we were cool. And the next thing I know, like, so I started studying on YouTube, because that's what I do, YouTube University, and started studying on how to understand him. And it's like, listen to him. I was like, dang. <laughs> listen to him. Went deeper into that. And again, by listening to him, he was then able to share things then opening up about how he felt, then I could address how he felt instead of assuming how he should feel. It's like, wow, I only get there by shutting up. Yeah. The only way you right. really know is by listening to what he says and kind of um, learning from that. That's it. That's it, man. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in talking to you, one, one thing that comes to mind is this whole concept of um, our ego mm -hmm. and who we are. And especially with relationships with our family. And I think it also applies, um, you know, with friends and work as well. This sense that if it's just about you and your ego stops at yourself, then you easily fall into always just talking, never listening, talking to explain, not to understand. But when you shift to think about yourself as including others, right? So now as a family, you're, you're, a, member, you know, you're a member of the family. In an organization, you're a member of the team. Mm -hmm. in, a, in, in, in a church, you're, you're a member of, of the congregation. Mm -hmm. That actually drives different behavior. Yeah. And it's, it's like a small shift, right? It doesn't cost any money. It's, it's mm -hmm. just kind of in your mind. But I, I, I think 
it's very easy to fall into the trap. It's like, you know, when am I going to get what I want? You know, my thing is the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that can really start to work against this because people smell that coming from like a mile away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a, a, a quick little note, you know, if you're greedy, so and you know you're greedy, you know, stay greedy, but just flip the switch a little bit. Give because you know you'll get. Like start there. You know, give because you know you'll get. Don't don't try to just get because it's not going to work. That's old. That died like a decade ago. People are aware of that now. Okay, so give. And what will happen is you think you're tricking it, but you keep giving. Eventually some things will happen and you'll like it. <laughs> you'll like it. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't unlearn what you experience. And once yeah. you experience what is what, what we were sent here to experience, which is well-being, you're going to come back to the stream to drink, baby. Wow. I love that. I mean, so what I'm hearing from you, Rob, is there's really no downside to giving. It's, mm-hmm. it's all yeah. upside. Yeah. Right? Both, both guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tur- but, hey, somebody, somebody's getting a turkey. So, <laughs> you know, it's all good. <laughs> all right. Let's take a look at our last video, uh, which has a lot to do with uh, family and um, responsibility and, and how that all plays out. Cool. Now, are you going to tell Will or not? I'm not going to do your dirty work for you. Fine. Uh, I'll call him from the road. Yeah, then why don't you do that? Yeah, I'll do that. Daddy out! What's up? Will, <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Um, some business came up I gotta handle. So we're gonna have to put a, our trip on hold. You understand? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Just, just for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little longer. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Look, I'll, I'll call you next week and we'll iron out the details, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah, yeah. It was great seeing you, son. You too, Lou. Yeah. Yeah, um... I'm sorry, Will. You know what, actually, this works out better for me. You know, the Slimmies of Summer come to class wearing next to nothing, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's all right to be angry. Hey, why should I be mad? I'm saying, at least he said goodbye this time. I just wish I hadn't wasted my money buying this stupid present. I'm sorry. I, you know, if there was something that I... Hey, you know what? You ain't got to do no, nothing, Uncle Phil. Hey, you know, ain't like I'm still five years old, you know? Ain't like I'm going to be sitting up every night asking my mom, when's daddy coming home, you know? Who needs him? Hey, he wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? Hey, I got pretty damn good at it, too, didn't I, yeah, Uncle Phil? Did. Got through my first day without him. Right? Mm. I learned how to drive. I learned how to shave. I learned how to fight without him. I had 14 great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a damn card. Die with him! I ain't need him then and I don't need him now. Will. Nah, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm going to get through college without him. I'm going to get a great job without him. I'm going to marry me a beautiful honey. And I'm going to have me a whole bunch of kids. I'm going to be a better father than he ever was. And I sure as hell don't need him for that. Because ain't a damn thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids.
How come you don't want me, man? Oh, man, that gets me every time I see that. <laughs> oh, I had, my gosh. I, 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 had to, I had to look away to reset myself. <laughs> I, yeah, it's the exact same thing. Well, yeah, wow. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm on, yeah, that's, that's, that's real. That's real. <laughs> what can we learn from, uh, from what, we, what we just saw here? power of fatherhood yeah the power of fatherhood man 80 percent of the dudes i grew up with don't have their fathers you know and wow most of those dudes are not doing well yeah there's statistics linked to the lack of fathers in the family mm-hmm. and they're all bad yeah Same from teenage pregnancy to drugs to suicide father's role in the family is imperative yeah and will smith is amazing dude i can't wait to meet him i'll meet him this year <laughs> oh yeah you mentioned that, that to me <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually doing a remix of his song summertime um and i just i just gave it to the producer today to start working on the track mm-hmm. but it, what it got me thinking is like how how many sp- holes are in someone that they don't even know are there because of that missing piece called the father and how that plays a role in all the decisions they make powerful man one thing i uh i think is you know in the beginning he he starts out with a lot of like bravado right like you know i don't i don't need him i'm fine without him but I mean, I think everyone can intuitively understand as a human being, it doesn't work that way, right? It, it, it carries its, its, its scars, it has its impact on you. I'm not saying you, you can't get through it or um, come out okay on the other end, but pretending that it doesn't hurt you yeah. or doesn't impact you is not the way to go. Mm-mm. It's like putting flour on a stove fire. Don't do that. No, yeah. no. Won't work. <laughs> no, man, you got to gotta go right at it, you know. Fire signature. Get what really works. Unpack it. Deal with it. Face it. Now, when you face it, that's when you can make adjustments. Sometimes it's just accepting it. The acceptance is what allows us to heal. Because the non-acceptance is tight. And honestly, the the wound stays the the, the, the the wound stays open. But once you accept, you've accepted what has happened. It's like you surrender to it. Now it allows the wound to heal. Yes. You know the wound heals. You think about you know again my relationship. You know we we forgave each other after I did. You know after I finally grew up. And then allow her to grow up some more. Then we said, oh, went to the next phase. One of the things uh, 
that I'm taking away from what you're saying is this whole concept of an initial wound and the healing of it, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's stick with the, the wound from the father perspective. Let's say you're wounded when your dad leaves when you're five. Um, at some point when you're old enough to process that, right? Probably not as a five-year-old, but at, at some point, mm -hmm. if you process that in the right way, you can heal. But if you don't, you can end up with a wound that, you know, may have lasted 10 or 15 years instead lasting until your dying breath. Yeah. You know, it can end yeah. up lasting 60, 70 years because the wound happened when you were five. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it continued to happen. Your dad left, he's gone. But we can carry mm -hmm. that ourselves by how we deal with it for, for the rest of our lives, or we can process it in a way that allows us to get healthier at the right time, you know, at the time that we're ready and, and able to do it. That's it, man. That's it. What have you seen in terms of uh, your fulfillment formula and kind of the role of family and kind of support and, and how that can sort of influence that? So the fulfillment formula in regards to family, it works beautifully because if everyone is doing a self-reflection, which is a self-assessment, an introspection, and like taking a look at themselves and how other people are perceiving them. Mm -hmm. Key thing, how are other people looking at you? How do they say that you are showing up? Because their perception is the reality. And so that doesn't mean you adjust to everyone and you, and everyone, that doesn't mean that. It just means you take into a, uh, you take account of it. And so if you do this from the family perspective, then it allows us to communicate better, uh, be more understanding, which is really the foundation. You're still going to have disagreements, you know, we're humans, but through respect and through love, as you can have the word love all over my house and my kids know as some things are going on, I'll say, what's my word? It's my black like, love. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. And then, so they know. I don't have to say anything. Just what's the word? And so that's what's generating through the house. And everyone's self-reflecting on how they're showing up. Like my son, he'll do something. I'm like, listen, I, like, why are you doing that? And he said, I don't know. I said, well, if you don't know why you're doing something, don't ever do it. Like know why you're doing it and then do it. But don't just do something and not know why you're doing it. He's like, uh, it's a self-reflection. Now, if he does that, he's, he won't get himself in trouble and get his Xbox taken from doing something stupid. You know, <laughs> I'm trying to help you out. Yeah, what's, what's interesting to me about what you're saying, Rob, is, you know, kind of like those default patterns we, we, we fall into. And, you know, I've had situations, you know, in, in my life where my wife will ask me a question like, why are you upset? You know, why are you so angry about something? And I, I try to self-reflect, but in the moment, I actually don't know. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Cause I'm like, so like swept away by, yeah. by the feeling, you know, maybe if you reflect later on, you can figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, but that's very human, right. To, to mm -hmm. just be on autopilot and, and often that doesn't work to your advantage. Yeah. Right. right. I, I, I almost never works. <laughs> almost never. Those habits, man. Yeah. We got to keep steering, man. It's self-reflection like daily. You know, when, when a rocket leaves the earth and on its way to the moon, it's off course 98% of the time. It's off course. It only gets there by course correction. And so we're like yeah. the same way. You know, we can be off course all the time, but as long as you're doing daily adjustments. And mm -hmm. forget daily, I do. 
I do it multiple times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, know, you know, I'm conscious of it. Rob, it's been a real treat to talk to you and hear your expertise on fulfillment. What things are you working on and how can our audience get in touch with you? Well, I'm currently working on a new album called Happiness is Mandatory. Nice. <laughs> I love the title. <laughs> because it is. So it'll be music and motivation and that'll be coming soon. But connect with me on, uh, on you know, right now I'm the number one Rob House on Google. Right now, man. So it's me and one other guy from Atlanta. <laughs> We're leading the Rob Houses, man. All the Rob Houses, please stand up. Please stand up. <laughs> That's it, man. But honestly, my website is a, is a cool place. RobHowSpeaks.com. Because okay. then you, can, you know, I can send you some emails. You can watch some videos. I have a bunch of, I have a conversation with my 93-year-old self. Like, if you could talk to your 93-year-old self, what would you ask your 93-year-old self? Would that be oh, cool? Oh, I like so that. I, so I did it. <laughs> I did. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll include all that information in our show notes. Uh, cool. So people can uh, get in touch with you. Thank you, Rob, for sharing your insights on why it works. Thank you, Joe, man. This was a pleasure. If you've been enjoying Why It Works, there are a few ways you can help. Leave a rating and comment on your favorite podcast service like iTunes or Stitcher. Two, tell a friend what you learned. And three, show your support by becoming a sponsor or leaving a tip at www.patreon.com slash whyitworks. That's www.patreon.com slash whyitworks. Thanks and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why It Works. For more information about Joquan Joe Coaching, as well as access to my articles, videos, and podcasts, visit joquanjo.com. And stay tuned for our next Why It Works adventure.